0: Welcome to The Bureau Briefing, a podcast by the Bureau of Digital, an organization devoted to giving digital professionals the support system they never had. Each episode, we're going to talk to a member of our community doing awesome, inspiring things. Now for your host, Carl Smith. Hey there, everybody, and hope you're having a great Friday. We have got a conversation today with Leah Buley, who helped lead the ROI on design research done over at Envision. And I have to tell you, it's a great conversation. I just got back from Design Leadership Camp in Santa Fe, where I hung out with 30 of the best design leaders for the best companies you could ever imagine. And I just want to say thanks to all of them. It was just something else, to hear what they're going through, how they're approaching their challenges. They're on the front lines. If you ever get a chance uh, to attend a Design Leadership Camp or our Design Leadership Days, you really, really need to do that. And I want to thank Mailchimp. You know, Mailchimp was actually at Design Leadership Camp. It was great having Brandy Porter there, who we had on a previous episode. And they just make everything about the Bureau better. Their marketing platform is insanely good. And if you haven't looked at it in a while, please take a look. And also our good friends at Voxy. They are helping the service side and professional services get their operations together. So give Voxy a look as well. And now, let's get on with the conversation with Leah. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Bureau Studios. Stopping by today, we've got someone who was instrumental in putting together an amazing research report, the new design frontier. And I have to tell you, the effort that went into this, and I know the people listening, you run digital services, creative services, you may be a designer, you're going to get a ton out of this and you need this report. So welcome to the studio, Leah Buley. Thank you. Thank you. Excited to be here. Now, Leah, you are the Director of Design Education at Envision. Tell everybody a little bit about your backstory and how you ended up in this role today.
1: Yeah, okay. So, well, um, my my deep backstory is I'm a kind of dyed in the wool designer. I I spent years and years working as a practitioner, uh, in the user experience design field, honestly, even since before it was called user experience, I was (laughs) in house, I was doing web stuff. I went agency side. I worked for a time at adaptive path, which is one of those pioneering user experience companies. I know it was amazing. Um, and, uh, uh, over that journey, I, I actually wrote a book called "The User Experience Team of One," which was kind of just documenting for my own purposes the um, practices that were most effective for for use with a cross functional team uh, when you're doing design. And um, writing a book was brutal and painful, but also really uh, rewarding, and it got me uh, thinking more deeply about the big questions that shape our field. And so, um, that inspired me to do a little bit of a zag professionally and stop working as a design practitioner and start working as an analyst, uh, looking at the field of design, uh, and it's evolving importance, uh, to business. Yeah, it was cool. So I, I moved over to a role at Forrester Research and, uh, worked there as an analyst and then was independent as an analyst for a while. And, um, and then envision approached me and my uh, my colleague Aaron Walter who's the VP of our design education team s- sort of just got a conversation going saying like hey let's let's talk about some ways that we could work together and what became clear to me immediately was that as a person who ha- has been a practitioner in design envisions a company that cares deeply about helping practitioners and uh, and then as a person who's been an analyst in design uh, envisions a company that's deeply interested in understanding what makes for great design practices and then sharing that information broadly with the whole field. And uh, so it was a little bit of like an offer I couldn't refuse to come in and bring those two (laughs) perspectives that I have and, and put them together in one role where on our design education team, what we do is we basically just try to like find and amplify the stories of how the world's best teams are doing great design. And we try to share that information like freely and broadly so that everyone can learn from it so that the whole field can advance. And that's kind of our modest contribution.
0: Well, first of all, I can tell you from personal experience, when Aaron Walter starts his siren song... <laughs> You you're can't. done.
1: I know. It's so you're true. <laughs> he's got that sweet Southern twang. He's very <laughs> persuasive. He's genuine. So yeah, he he lures you over to the rocks without much effort. That's for sure. He,
0: he's assembling quite the team over there. And Envision overall is assembling quite the team. And in full disclosure, Envision did not pay for this podcast, but they are huge supporters of the Bureau community. And and I I, I just love everybody that I meet from there. Now, yeah. when you're talking about the stories and you're talking about reaching out over 2000 designers yep right 24 industries 77 countries like you definitely went all out yeah. to find out who's doing what
1: Yeah. Yeah. So this study was, uh, uh, fun, super fun and, and really near and dear to my heart because, um, what I found when we came, when I joined the team was that we've been doing a ton of really great deep qualitative research about how to do great design practices, but there was an opportunity to do some of the more kind of analyst style research where we're looking at big batch kind of quantitative studies around the practices in the field. And, um, what I can say is when I worked as an analyst, like it was actually hard to get really good data from companies about how they were doing design. But uh, when I came over to Envision, the reality is like we have a big database full of a lot of people who are doing of design and care about design. So we said, like let's use our access to that community, uh, conduct a large study uh, where we can actually do quantitative analysis on the behaviors and activities and resources that are most correlated with design driving big business impact. Um, So that's what this study was all about. We uh, conducted a a large survey uh, last fall, and we had over 2,200 companies participating. And what people did is they basically kind of um, through this survey, they can they constructed kind of a profile of what design looks like inside their organizations, uh, what the practices are that they're doing, what are the roles that they're hiring for design, how are executives supporting and engaging with design, how does design work with key partners in product management and engineering, uh, and so on and so on. And so once we had all that, all those responses, all those profiles. We then use advanced statistical methods to figure out really is there a um, a way to identify the companies that are the most mature in terms of uh, driving uh, more business benefits through design and seeing more adoption of design, and and then look at how they differ from companies that are less mature on those dimensions. And so that's what we did. And, and this big study is a. Is a is a fruit the fruit of that labor? It it gives um, a view of what maturity looks like, and then it gives a deep dive into all the behaviors and activities that, that correlate with it.
0: What, and I have to say, the report itself—I mean, it's it's meaty. There's a yeah. lot there, but unsurprisingly, it's so well designed that it kind of pulls you through. Like, even when you're sitting there, you're going, okay, you, it, it's almost like something with the visuals that wakes you up sometimes when some of the stuff's starting to, you're just, your your mind right? is kind of <laughs> gripping it. So when when you go out and address this group, what were some of the surprises that you found in the responses that come back? Was there anything that just made you kind of go, wow, we didn't expect that?
1: So much. Yeah, so much. So the first question that, that we had about this data and that everybody has when we tell them we did this report is like, oh, okay, what's the right org structure for design? What's the right <laughs> reporting structure for design? What's the right ratio, like designer to engineer ratio for, mm. for good design? What is our design leader? What level does that person need to be at? Like, they kind of like, they want to know what the the organizational solution is for, for better design maturity. And the big surprise for me was that they there's, there's not a silver bullet there, at least not according to our data. There wasn't strong correlation between, say, org structure and uh, design maturity or even reporting lines and design maturity. Um, surprisingly, like designer to engineer ratios are pretty good across the board, better than they were years ago. And that's true in immature companies as well as mature companies. So the, the first surprise for me was that like the answer is not found <laughs> in your org chart. Um, and And in fact what we saw is that there are a lot of teams that are getting low business benefits from design and low broad adoption of design who are nevertheless very large teams, uh, in our lowest level of maturity, the average team size is 30, uh, designers. So that's like a big team with a lot of headcount, and that's like a big line item, you know, for the organization. And they're not necessarily, um, seeing all the benefits that they could from design. So, um, realizing that, that uh just like having a big team and putting it in the right spot is not necessarily going to solve it for you that was my first my first big aha
0: what do you think uh is going on there is it kind of a a checklist mentality of we know that design's important and we see what other companies are doing so we're going to put this together and put it in the right place and see what happens is that part of it i don't
1: know I, I wouldn't characterize characterize it as a checklist mentality so much as a kind of narrow definition of what design is. And okay. What, what I mean by that is like in the lowest maturity companies, what we saw is they really do all the right stuff you're supposed to do to make a screen. They make wireframes and they make visual design comps and they might even prototype that and they might even do a little bit of usability testing. But it's all very much about that moment when you kind of fire up the screen design tool and you push the pixels around and that's sort of where it starts and stops. They don't necessarily do foundational user research. They don't necessarily uh, do a lot of experimentation, hypothesis-based sort of testing using the design process. They don't necessarily think about um, systems for scaling design, like design systems, and they don't necessarily apply the design process to things beyond the screen, like service design or you know identifying new opportunities in the market. So it's sort of like they have a just a... A, a narrow definition of what design is, and so they're they're making better looking screens, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're doing the human centered design process to get there. Um, versus the more mature companies, we start to see that they do add on those behaviors of foundational customer understanding to inform uh, screen design. They'll they use the the kind of um, the hypothesis sort of driven test and learn process that design enables where you you know you 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 don't just come up with one solution, you come up with five and then you prototype them and then you test them and then you see which ones perform best. Um, they, they use those kinds of techniques and they fundamentally kind of apply them to more basic, Questions about like where could we play in the market? What could we bring to the market that would that would be differentiating? And so they just have a more sophisticated conceptualization of what design is.
0: Well, and now that you're getting into it and explaining it, it's so that my theater major brain (laughs) is going, okay, so that's immature. Well, no, that that sounded like something my wife would say. No, (laughs) but but the the immature design companies, it's just where they are in the experience, where they are in their knowledge, that they're like they have this opportunity to obviously mature. Yeah. And those mature companies have these other practices that they're going through. And in the report, what do you find the results of being a more mature design company are?
1: Yeah. Well, so the maybe the good news for everybody actually is you will get benefits from the design process, even if you're doing that kind of narrower version of it. So if you're a company that's really doing primarily screen-based design, uh, what we saw in the data is that those companies are, by and large, are reporting that they're improving usability through design. So you'll get a more usable product, even if you're just doing, you know, improving your screens. Uh, But as companies move up in maturity and and bring on some of those additional practices, they start to report uh, that they're um, driving a, a greater variety of business impact and honestly, like more more fundamental business impact. So uh, the level three companies, uh, they're more likely to report that design is having a direct impact on revenue because they're better able to design systems that that really accomplish user goals, but also ac- accomplish business goals. Uh, when you get up to levels four and five, level four is a really interesting one. It's like a watershed moment. All of a sudden there's a ton of additional business benefits that come along, including things like cost savings, employee productivity, time to market, Um, and then level five, which is really uh, characterized by applying design to core business strategy problems. At that level, they're more likely to report that they're producing design related patents and intellectual property. And they, um, and designs having, you know, a a, a sort of a connection to their valuation or their share price, uh, which is, I always think of that as like the Apple effect. Everyone wants that. You want to have like defensible IP and you want to be able to like lead the market because everyone knows you're great at design. And that's what level five looks like. Yeah.
0: So when when you're looking at the levels uh, and at what point do you see you – know, it's so funny. It, at our events, we'll have somebody say, well, design gets a seat at the table. And then somebody will say, well, what are you going to do with it when you get it, right? Right. Um, so at what, which of these levels do you start to see design as a C-level uh, role?
1: Yeah. Uh it's more likely uh at the higher levels but again like the solution isn't it, there, there isn't like a strong correlation right. about, about yes, design no. at that at that level. Um what's I actually I I think that what this data shows it's interesting is that the seat at the table is uh, it comes earlier than than we think. Uh, around level two, uh, you start to see that executives are giving a lot of lip service to design. And they're trying <laughs> to involve design leaders in important decisions, and employees, like brought you know rank and file employees, are starting to want to kind of participate in the design process and and talking about the importance of customers. And and so that's that actually comes uh, earlier than you might think. Um, the, the more important table in a way is actually the table where designers sit with product managers and engineers and they do the work shoulder to shoulder like to to uh, jointly uh, scope out what the experience should be, and to have those hard conversations about when you make the trade offs that you make for making the experience better versus you know uh, doing the more technical investment or or you know maybe making the you know making some shortcuts in the experience because that makes it easier to get out the door and like working through those difficult conversations in a structure where. There's clarity about the roles that each party brings to that conversation, and there are clear structures for how they collaborate, and they have clear goals that they're jointly accountable for at the end. That working relationship, which becomes more common at around level three, seems to be more predictive of teams actually being able to get products out the door that drive business impact. So tables matter, but let's like talk about being at some different ones, because the seat at the table it seems to imply that like designers get to come into the boardroom and do some hand wavy magic like, <laughs> greater, and then everyone suddenly believes. But the reality is like, if you want to have impact, you got to have good working relationships in that core sphere of influence with your key
0: partners. Oh, and that makes perfect sense. If, if you're not part of the formula that's making the product, yeah, right? It doesn't matter who you get to talk to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. One interesting tidbit about the data. We saw that, um, even at low levels of maturity companies are reporting that design is well integrated into the product development process but it's only at higher levels of maturity that people reported the opposite that like core partners are well integrated into the design process So there's something about um, just uh, really kind of like looking closely at how collaboration happens uh, fundamentally and and having like, Kind of some of those tricky conversations with like your, you know, your your key engineering partner, or your key product partner about like, okay, are we working well together now? Like if not, why not? And what can we do about that? And those, those are very, very valuable conversations to have, our data seems to indicate.
0: I have no doubt. Now I'm I'm curious, what kind of response have you heard from the community overall since the reports come out?
1: Yeah, the the community's been super enthusiastic. It's been so rewarding. I get so nervous when we're about to publish this kind of research.
0: (laughs) Sure, I'm
1: I'm a sort of a data nerd, and I and I love it. But I'm like, oh my gosh, is it going to be, is it going to be too boring? Is it going to be too dry? Is it going to be too shallow? What are they going to think? And it's been so helpful and rewarding to see people saying like, this is. You know, this is the data that we needed. I've heard a few people say, like, you know, uh, uh, you know, like me searching endlessly for good data to back up my decisions. Like, Envision, you, you delivered it. Thank you, check. So um, <laughs> that makes me very happy. But um, of course, it just raises more questions. Now, now we want to know, like, okay, what's the... What's the, um, you know, industry specific cut on this? Like, what do you need to do if you're in this field or that field mm. or that field? Um, we also are, uh, interested in doing just like deeper analysis on the data that we have about how this correlates to like market performance and things like that. And, uh, and then, you know, there's an interesting question about like, this is very much in the language of design, but it speaks to practices that blended cross functional teams need to do together. So like, what do, What would it mean to turn this report, kind of, you know, turn it around and and tell it from the story of a product manager's perspective or an engineer's perspective? So there's a lot of things we're talking about and thinking about, but it's been really encouraging so far, at least what the community's had to say about it.
0: Well, and, you know, when I read it and I was talking with some people on my team about it, I was like, it doesn't feel like a report so much as it feels like a platform. It feels like an opportunity to educate yourself, educate people you're working with, and it an accelerator right it's this opportunity yeah. to accelerate the importance of design and and get it in non designers hands get it in business people's hands
1: that's so great to hear you say that because that was definitely one of our our hopes for it that it's it's not just a report but it's a kind of a tool to think with and to to yeah. to, to talk with to help people um just have richer conversations about the the kind of design they want to be practicing uh, so, yeah. So that and then also my, my personal favorite part of the report uh, is the appendix, which is this massive set of data tables showing actually all the specific activities that uh, become prevalent at different levels of maturity. And my hope is that that appendix can sort of serve as like a... A, a checklist and a menu for teams who, to kind of say like, okay, this is what we're doing right now. But obviously if we want to get to that next level, we need to start focusing on these activities and to bring that data to you know, the key folks they need to talk to, to, to get more um, ammo just to, you know, to, to advance their practices in the ways that are necessary.
0: See, I, I think that's a great way to look at it because it, it's almost like giving you that, that opportunity, almost like a re, an internal review but now, you know, you're not just going based on a blog post or what you saw yeah. somebody else do. You've, you've got this real data. Now, I'm curious, for non-industry type companies, like for creative services or digital services or hell, even architectural firms maybe, it's like, how, how should they look at this data? How can they use this data?
1: Yeah. Well, two in two ways, actually. Uh, so. One thing I will say is at a high level, one of the surprising things from the data for me was that the professional services firms have a very similar distribution across the maturity curve to, Hmm. say, enterprise businesses. So. I, I kind of expected that the professional services firms would just like know how to do the design practice the right way, but it turns out there are a lot of them out there who are also doing a very screen-defined view of des- design, and then you know a smaller subset who are doing a kind of more you know strategic uh, version of design. So I think actually professional services firms can use it in the same way that an enterprise could, which is to assess their own practices uh, and say like, okay, what what version of design are we? doing and selling. And, and that applies both in as they look at um, their own internal work and then also how they sell to clients. So I think actually one interesting potential use of this report is actually for professional services firms to kind of like have a conversation with a potential client and do a mental checklist and say like, oh yeah, it feels like that client's at level two. So that means that maybe we can help them uh, think about getting to level three by focusing on these practices
0: as well. Oh, that makes a tremendous amount of sense. It's almost not a report card so much as a a placement tool.
1: Yeah, exactly. You could think of it as your white label customer assessment tool if you'd like to.
0: <laughs> that sounds awesome. So how, what's the easiest way for somebody to get a copy of the full report?
1: Yes. Uh, go to designbetter.co and right there in the top nav is a link for a design maturity model. Click that and you can download a report right there.
0: Okay, great. We'll make sure and put that in the show notes. So Leah, I got to ask, and you hinted at it a little bit, but I, w- I would hope you get a breather unless you don't want one, <laughs> but what are you charging at next? What's the next thing?
1: Well, so this, just as you said, actually, this report is kind of a platform for our own thinking about design maturity at Envision. So we're having a lot of conversations internally about uh, what we want to do with this knowledge as well? Does it, uh, does it influence, you know, more of the material that we should be publishing in the design education team? Yeah, definitely. Does it maybe have some implications for even, you know, our our product platform possibly Uh, does, you know, and how can we use it to help just support, you know, envisions clients as they advance in their own design uh, maturity. So we're having a lot of those conversations, but um, we'll be, we'll be at it publishing more good stuff, doing more analysis and uh, more, more good stuff to come soon.
0: Well, I have no doubt you will. And on behalf of designers and design-centric organizations, thank you.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much for the opportunity to chat about it. And I hope folks enjoy reading it.
0: No worries at all. And everybody listening, thank you so much. Make sure you get a copy of the report. It is intense, but it's it's a great read. I mean, it's, it's, it's so good. And we will talk to you next week. All the best.